We're starting a brand new series here at Big Valley Grace called Breakthrough. And Pastor Joel and Pastor Lonnie and I are going to look at some really, some really great passages, some really great stories that are found in, in the scriptures that we hope and pray that somehow God will use in your life or your marriage or your family or your business. We believe that God wants to do a, a breakthrough in some area of your life and we're believing God is going to use this series. So, so everybody look at Romans chapter 8 and look at verse 31. Okay, now Paul's going to do something really, really unique in this little section of Scripture. He poses a number of questions, okay? They're rhetorical questions, okay? And, uh, and these questions, in, in my opinion, give us a real clear description of what the grace of God is all about. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Okay, so, so you got your Bibles at Romans chapter 8. It's also going to come up uh, on your screen. Look at verse 31. Paul writes, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who, who is it that condemns? Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life and is now at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us? Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor any other thing created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm gonna stop right there, okay? This week, your homework assignment is not only to read Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2, but you got to spend some time right here in Romans chapter 8. This is some weighty stuff. This is, um, um, it's almost, you, you could preach a hundred sermons and not mine everything that there is in this little section here. They're great verses. So I'm often asked about the grace of God, okay? Uh, or more specifically, I'm asked, hey, Pastor Rick, what exactly is the grace of God? And I want you to know that that's a hard question to answer because the, the grace of God is like a diamond, okay? And there's a picture of one right here. That's one diamond. And I want you to imagine that's the grace of God, now the thing about a diamond is that there's all kinds of facets 
In fact, on a round diamond like this, there are 58 different facets. So it's, it's one diamond, but it has all these different facets on it. And I think that that is um, a great illustration of the grace of God. It's, it's one thing, it's one word, but it has many facets. But if I had to boil it down, maybe to one sentence, I, I got one for you. What, what's, what's the grace of God? God's favor toward the unworthy. I think that's a, a, pretty, a pretty good sentence if I had to boil down what the grace of God is. God's favor towards the unworthy. I, I put it another way, okay? Here, here's another one. I, I think this is good. God's benevolence on the undeserving. God's benevolence on the undeserving. That, that, that's you and, and I. You see, we were enemies of God. We were sinners. We were unbelievers. We were evil. We were guilty of breaking God's holy laws. We were spiritually dead. We were spiritually blind. We, we deserve to be eternally punished because of our sin. But God extended grace to us. He extended his favor to us. God is willing to forgive us and bless us and to make us a, a part of his family in spite of all the crummy things that we have done in our lives. Let me give you one more sentence that I think might help you better understand the grace of God. And, and you're gonna wanna write this one down, okay? Here it is. You wanna know what the grace of God is all about? God is for you. He's for you. You want to know what the grace of God is. If you want to take that diamond, those 58 facets, and you want to try to put it into one sentence, it's that one right there. God is for you. And I want to challenge you this week to meditate on that. Think about that. You got to write that down on a little, you know, sticky thing or put it on a three-by-five card and put it up where you shave or put it in your car as you're driving or, or, or whatever. And you got to just, just spend some time thinking about that. The idea that God is for you. Because I want you to know, if you can grasp this, it'll revolutionize your life. It'll revolutionize your marriage. It'll revolutionize your family. It'll revolutionize how you go about your life, especially now in the midst of this coronavirus. Now, with all this said, let me, let me zero in on our, our text, okay? Let's zero in on a few of these questions, these rhetorical questions that Paul asked because they're gonna give us a, a, an even clearer picture of this diamond, okay? Our passage for tonight really is a picture of the grace of God, the diamond, but we're going to look at some facets of it through this little passage here. And the first question is this, who can be against you? Who can be against you? I want you to look at verse 31 of our text, okay, Romans 8, 31. 
Paul says, if God is for us, if God is for you, he's talking to believers here, and in the Greek, this isn't a condition, but it's a statement, okay? Since God is for you, who can be against us? It's a rhetorical question, but it's a great question that I think we need to stop and ponder. If God is for us, if the God, the one true living God who's revealed between these two leather-bound covers is for us, he's for you, who can be against us? Who can be against you? I remember as a, a, a kid, I lived over by Roosevelt uh, Junior High School and had a lot of friends that kind of lived in that area. And uh, this is back in the day when kids played outside, you know, and we rode our bikes everywhere and we walked to school and ran to school. We went to the schools and hung out and played, you know, football and baseball and all of that. And I'll bet at least when the weather was decent, we would go play football at Roosevelt Junior High. Big, you know, a lot of grassy area out there. And we'd get about, you know, 20 kids in the neighborhood. And there was always this moment when you would choose up teams, right? And um, what you'd want to do is, is you'd always want to have the best kid. And there was always one kid who was the best. He was the biggest, he was the strongest, he was the best athlete. And what you wanted to do is you wanted to be on that guy's team. Because if you got on that guy's team, the chances were pretty good that you were gonna win the game. The chances were, 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 were pretty good that you'd win and you know be victorious. Well, listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I just didn't choose you, but I I got a thought for your life. I've got a purpose for your life. I chose you for a reason. I'm appointing you to something. And here's the deal. God selected you to be on his team. Who's the best athlete on the team? Who's the strongest guy on the team? God, right? You got selected to be with the best kid. You got selected to be with the best athlete. You, he chose you to be on his team. He's got more ability than the whole team combined. God's power is so overwhelming that no enemy can stand against it. That's the team that you're on. He chose you to be on that team. First John chapter four says this, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, that's God through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit lives in you, is greater than the one who is in the world. The Holy Spirit in you is greater than all the demonic power that there is in the world. Doesn't matter who it is. He's greater, bigger, stronger, and he chose you to be on his team. 
Let me ask you a question. What's in your life right now that's overwhelming you? Okay, you don't have to say it out loud. Maybe, maybe sometime this week you want to sit down with some friends and maybe talk about this. Is it a financial problem? For many of you, it's, it's that, right? Maybe it's a physical problem. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe you got a problem with somebody at work. Maybe it's a relationship problem. I don't know what it is, but the Bible says that the one who indwells you is far greater and more powerful than anything that this world can throw at you. That's what the scriptures say. That's truth. I know at times the troubles and the trials and all the things can look ginormous. It can look like the other team has the best athletes, the strongest athletes. It can look that way. But the reality is, is that God lives in you. In fact, Paul has this great prayer in Ephesians chapter one. This is his prayer, it's recorded for us. It says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. That was super important to Paul, that all of us would grow in our knowledge of God. That This is what matters right here. We're, we're to read this, study this, memorize this, meditate on this. We're to know this so we can live it out. This is the truth, right? That was an important thing. But he goes on and he says this. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to us that he's called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. And here it is, ready? I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. That was important to Paul. Paul wanted us to know about this power that we have within us. It's, it's for us. And then he, he says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. There's a lot of things that Paul could have prayed for, but he says, hey, I'm praying for you that you would understand how great the power is within you. He, he chose you. He's the best athlete on the team, the biggest athlete on the team, the strongest athlete on the team. Man, there's, there's nothing that he can't do. And I think too often, the reason why we don't see breakthroughs in our lives, in our personal lives, we don't see breakthroughs in our families or our marriages or whatever, is because we don't understand what's already ours. We already have the greatest power source known to mankind living within us. The Holy Spirit. Look, I don't care what you're going through. God's power can get you through it. Now, you may not think so. I get it. 
There are things that are going to come into your life and you're going to say, God, I don't know, man. I don't know whether I can handle this. This, this might be too big for you. I know you're going to feel that way. I have many times. But the reality is, is God's bigger than anything you're going to face. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says this. Paul's writing. And he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, we don't know what this thorn in the flesh was. We don't know what it was. Some people say it was Paul's eyes that he couldn't see very well or whatever. But what we do know is that the Lord allowed something to happen to Paul's life that was tormenting him. Then he says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, well, therefore, since that's what God told me, God told me that his grace, one of those facets, his power, and it lives inside of me, that, that was for my good. His, his power, that, that weakness was going to make me trust in his power more. And so Paul says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, that's a, a really great passage. But it's also a bummer. Because the great apostle Paul has something that's tormenting his life. And he goes to God. God, can you take this away from me? He three times. Multiple times Paul gets on his knees before God, the great apostle Paul. And says, oh God, would you take this from me? And God says, no, Paul. I'm not going to take it from you. Oh, God could have. God can do whatever he wants. But God said, no, Paul, I'm gonna let you, you know, have to deal with that because what that'll do is, is that'll make you rely on me all the more. And when you rely on me, wow, that's when you really have the power. And so Paul says, man, I'm, I'm golden with that. I'm golden with that. Look, grace means you can always count on God's power. It's one of the, one of the facets. If, if God is for you, who can be against you? Remember, you plus, you know, God always equals a majority. And for some of you, as I said, this needs to be a breakthrough moment. Look, you can count on God's power. I want you to think right now. Literally, right now. I don't want to go any farther. Maybe you're sitting in a house. Maybe you're sitting in an apartment. I don't know. Maybe you're watching in your car on your phone. I, I don't know. I don't know where you're at right now. But there's something, there's something in your life and you need a breakthrough right now. You, you, you need to trust and rely in God and his power right now. What is that? What is it? Father, right now, right in the middle of this message, I just want to pray for that one person that might be out there. Maybe there's two, maybe there's 10. I don't know. Maybe there's a thousand And that idea that if God is for us, who can be against us, that, that just doesn't make any sense because they think 
They just don't believe you're all that powerful, God. And Father, may this first point maybe be the best moment of their gathering tonight. That they would put their trust in your power right now and believe in your power. They would believe in what your word says. And we've got the power of God in us. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Amen. So let's go to the second question, okay? Who will provide for you? Look at verse 32 of our text, okay? Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, generously give us all things? In other words, here's, here's, what, here's what Paul's saying. Um, if God loved you enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, down here to planet Earth to die a horrific death for you, because that was the only way your sins could be forgiven. If he was willing to give up his own son for you, uh, Paul's saying, you think he's gonna hold something back from you, Christian? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. Your greatest need was you had to have your sins forgiven, and the only way that would happen would be because his son Jesus would die on a cross and shed his blood, right? He took care of your greatest need. He, your other needs are, are, are no problem for God. You see, too many Christians think, you know, I don't want to come to God and talk with him about my financial needs or my physical needs or my problems uh, I'm having at work. I only want to talk to God about the big things. But this verse says just the opposite. God already took care of the big things. He already took care of your sin through his son's blood. That was the big thing. Everything else that will ever happen in your life in comparison is a little thing. And so there isn't anything that you can't come to God for and say, hey, I, 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 I just... I need some help, God. I need some help. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six. He said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or, and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, King Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and tomorrow are thrown into the fire, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? 
So don't worry about these things saying, what am I going to eat or what am I going to drink or what am I going to wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And then he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, live according to the word of God, and he will give you everything you need. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said it. Do you believe it? Do you believe what he said? That if you seek him first, that you read his word and study his word and meditate on his word and memorize his word and, and, and actually live his word out, you, you live your life according to the word of God. You live your family and lead your family according to the word of God. You raise your children as best you can to the word of God, according to the word of God. You, you run your business as best you can according to the principles found in the scriptures. You handle your finances the best you can according to the scriptures. God says he, he'll, take care of, he'll take care of whatever it is you got. He'll take care of it. Philippians chapter four, Paul said it this way. He put it into one sentence. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. I believe that. I believe that God will meet all of your needs as long as you are committed to seeking him first. And, and how, does he, how does he meet all your needs? I'll tell you how he meets all your needs. Some of you right now, you lost your job and you were in need of some food, weren't you? And did, you know, some grocery bags float down from heaven? No. How did God meet your need? You were a part of a church family and maybe you came out to good Sam. God made sure that this church was a part of your life. And you were able to come and get all the groceries you need. Maybe you've come to Good Sam more than once. Somebody showed up at your door with bags of groceries. And God met your need. He met your need through his people. That's how he does it. But you've got to be faithful. You've got to be somebody who's committed to seeking him first above all else. This needs to be a, a breakthrough moment for some of you. Look, grace means you can count on God's provision. What, 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 what's something that you need right now? What, 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 what's, is there something going on in your life? Do you need some groceries? Is there something that you need? God says, look, if you're, if you're one of my followers and you've committed your life to seeking me first above all else, I'll take care of it. He, didn't, he doesn't say he'll take care of all your, your wants, but he'll take care of your needs. He didn't send his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for crows, and yet he takes care of crows, doesn't he? He didn't send his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for whales, but he takes care of whales, doesn't he? He, he didn't send his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross, you know, to, 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 I don't know, take care of worms, but somehow they find food. 
He sent his son Jesus to die for you, human beings. And if he was willing to do that, man, all he says is, follow me, seek me above all else. And I'll make sure, I'll make sure all your needs are taken care of. And God has an army of people right here at this church that are willing to meet needs. God has an army of church all over this town and other churches, his people that are willing to help meet needs that are out there. What's the thing you need? What's the thing you've been, you know, not asking for? This is the breakthrough moment. This is where you get on your knees before God and say, God, you met my need, my greatest need for, you know, having my sins forgiven, and now I want to trust you in this area of my life, that you're going to supply this need that I have, my family has, my family has. Question number three, who will condemn you? Look at verse 34. And by the way, we're not looking at all the questions that Paul asked. We're just looking at a few of them. But verse 34 says, who is it that condemns? Who's out there condemning you? Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. (laughs) Beloved, this is about who's going to judge you now that you're a believer. That's what he's talking about here. This side of heaven, you're not going to live a perfect life. This side of heaven, you're going to sin. This side of heaven, you're going to blow it and do a lot of really dumb stuff. But because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, this side of heaven, you're forgiven. Paul says, you know, who is it that condemns you? Who judges you? Well, it ain't Jesus Christ. He died for you. He loves you. He justified you. He made you righteous. You don't have to be afraid of God because he's for you. He's pardoned all your sins. But I know what happens. (laughs) There are people out there. I run into them all the time. They'll bring condemnation into your life. Not Jesus. If you know him as your savior, if you know Christ as your savior, if you've given your life over to Jesus Christ, the Bible says this in Romans chapter eight and verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you know Christ, if you've given your life over to Jesus Christ, you've surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. God doesn't condemn you anymore. You're not condemned. Oh, people will try to condemn you. But here's the deal, God doesn't. If you've genuinely surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ, if you've said, God, I I want you to be the CEO of my life, I'm I'm surrendering my will to your will, I'm gonna make sure I seek you first, I'm gonna make sure I'm meditating on your word, no, I wanna know your word so I can do your word. If you're in Christ, there's now no condemnation. Now, there are people who are condemned. There are people who are judged by God. This doesn't say that everybody 
you know, somehow not condemned. It says only those that are in Christ, those people aren't condemned anymore. I can guarantee you, Christian, you're gonna make mistakes. You're still gonna sin. You're gonna blow it. You're not gonna be perfect. But you're not in, under any condemnation because Jesus took the condemnation do you 2,000 years ago. That's the point of the cross. That's why we have a ginormous cross out in front of our building. That's why when you walk through our church, there's, there's a cross out in the foyer. There's a cross in the altar room. There's a cross up here on the platform. We got crosses all over the place because the cross reminds us that Jesus hung on that cross to take all the condemnation that was due us. The cross is an ugly thing, but it's also a beautiful thing, especially to those of us that are that are believers. For some of you, the breakthrough moment right now is, is that you're not in Christ. You still stand condemned before God. You still have all of your sin in your life. And if you were to die right now or Jesus were to come back right now, you would stand before him condemned. And that's not a good place to be. And the breakthrough for you might be just to get on your knees right now and say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. I want to know you. Take all my sin. Take all of the junk and the crud and the evil and, and, I, and just, and just I, get, I give it to you. And I want to become one of your followers right now. And if you do that, wow, the Bible's pretty clear super clear that you would no longer be under any condemnation anymore. I got one more question. Question number four, last but not least, okay. Who can separate you? Look at verse 35. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Say that out loud right now in your home or your apartment. We are more than conquerors. Do it again. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, depth, anything else that was created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Listen, God's never going to leave you. Never. There's nothing that you could ever do that could bring separation between you and God. Nothing in anything. Nothing. You, you got to grab a hold of that. You see, grace means you, you can always count on God's presence in your life. When one, one of those facets in that diamond is the presence of God. That's, a, that's what grace means, is that his presence is always in your life. Always. Look again at verse 35. 
Shall trouble separate you from Jesus? No, because you're eternally secure. Shall hardship, which in the Greek means stress, separate you from Jesus? No, because you're eternally secure. Shall persecution separate you from Jesus? No, why? Because you're eternally secure. How about famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? Can any of these things separate you from Jesus? No, because you're eternally secure. Look at what Paul says in verse 37 and again. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're not conquerors on our own. We're conquerors through him who loved us. Here's the bottom line. Because God is for you, you can face anything with confidence. You can face any enemy with confidence. You can face any circumstance with confidence. You, you can face any trial with confidence. Beloved, because God is for you, you're more than a conqueror because absolutely nothing will be able to separate you from God's endless love for you that is in Jesus Christ. That's something some of you got to grab a hold of. And if you do, you'll experience a breakthrough, a breakthrough in your relationship with him, a breakthrough in how you go about your life, go about your day. Now, when you get to verses 38 and 39, Paul builds to this great crescendo. Look at verse 38. He says, for I am convinced, right, that neither death nor life nor angels nor nevens, neither the present or the future, or any powers, neither height or depth nor anything else that's created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, is that great or what? Now, here's the deal. <coughs> Romans chapter 8 starts with the truth that there's no condemnation in Christ. And Romans chapter 8 ends with the truth, capital T, that there's no separation in Christ Jesus. i tell you, Romans chapter 8 is um, just unbelievable. Paul says in verse 1, there's, there's now no condemnation for those of us that have given our lives for Christ. And then he ends Romans 8 with nothing is going to be able to separate you from him. Nothing. He loves you on your good days. He loves you on your bad days. He loves you when you're faithful and he loves you when you're unfaithful. That's the truth. Beloved, you really are more than conquerors because God is for you. Grab a hold of that truth. I guarantee you, you grab a hold of that and you will see some incredible breakthroughs in your life. In fact, this is how I want to end. Maybe you're all by yourself. You know, put your phone down or get down on your knees. Maybe you're at home with your family. Why doesn't everybody just get on their knees if you're physically able? And I just want you to be quiet. Okay? Just alone. It's just you and God. Now, I know maybe your wife or your husband sitting next to you or your kids or your boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, someone like that. I don't know, a friend. I just want to get you alone. 
Listen, God is for you. And when you really grasp that, you'll live like somebody who is more than a conqueror. You'll see breakthroughs in your personal life, your personal holiness, your personal righteousness. You'll see breakthroughs in your marriage. You'll see breakthroughs in areas that you thought were just impossible. But when you really grasp the idea that God's for you, he really is. And if God's for you, then man, what could be against you? Who, what, what? Father, thank you for tonight. I sure enjoyed all of the music. I enjoyed a chance to, to give, to worship you through my giving. Lord, thank you for those folks, young and old, who were obedient to you tonight and were baptized. Blessings on them, God. There is nothing more thrilling than watching people being baptized. I was the only one here, but wow. Just my heart races. I get goosebumps watching that. Thank you, God, for how you're at work in our church. And thank you for the word of God, this little passage we read tonight. May all of us understand how much you love us, how much you're for us, how much you care about us, how much you love us. I pray for this series. Let us, Pastor Lonnie and Joel, continue on that we'd hear and see a lot of really great thoughts, great things, great breakthroughs that are happening. I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, listen, Lord bless you, okay? Don't forget, Wednesday night at seven o'clock, we have our Bible study, all right? See ya.